We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Space 1999 episode, One Moment of Humanity by Tony Barwick. 515 days after leaving Earth's orbit and Alpha is preparing for a party. Helena and Maya are trying on their party dresses, but the frivolity is interrupted by an alarm. Alpha has lost all power. Not only is the power drained from Alpha, but it it seems, too, from the Alphans themselves, who begin to swoon and then freeze up, but not before Helena stumbles into the arms of Tony Verdeschi, starting a comedy of errors we're still laughing about today. A visitor from the planet Vega appears. She observes Tony and Helena in each other's arms and has found what she wants. She releases the Alphans and informs them that they are going to take two Alphans for an experiment, in which they will not be harmed for just 48 hours, and that Tony and Helena are the two she wants. Koenig doesn't like it, but he can suck space dust because the vegan isn't having any of his macho bravado. How do they get to Vega? All you have to do is to wish you were there. And suddenly, they're surrounded by the dullest orgy ever. At a meal, masked automatons called numbers serve the vegans and the alphans. But one of them warns Helena not to react or get mad. The vegans serve them bad food and then call them names like hag and foul-mouthed lying cretin. But to no avail, Helena and Tony keep their cool and don't try to kill them over it. As punishment, they're put in a cell. But they get to keep Tony's laser so they escape, meet the numbers who turn out to be the real humans, forced to serve the androids that they themselves created. They wear masks because the androids learn emotions by watching, and if they ever learn anger, they'll finally be able to kill all the humans, which is what they desire. So naturally, Tony and Helena try to destroy the central computer. Having failed to accomplish that, they wish their way back to Moonbase Alpha, which is completely empty. Loneliness plays heavily on the pair, and Tony tries to sedate Dr. Russell. While Dr. Russell activates the big red release all the oxygen button, it looks like one of them will have to kill the other to survive. But it's all a vegan trick, and it fails. So back to Vega with you two, we will crack you. Returning to the real Alpha, the Vegans start reading Shakespeare and realize the play is the thing in which they'll catch the murderous rage of the king. Conan corrects them, though. Never happen, because Tony and Helena don't love each other. You're going to have to take Maya and me down to the planet. Somehow failing to realize he's just put them one step closer to success. On the planet, Maya, completely ignored by the Vegans, tries to destroy the computer. Meanwhile, a soulless mechanical sex toy named Zarl dances the vegan tango with Dr. Russell, and we are privileged to watch some of Martin Landau's Academy Award-winning hand-clenching acting as Koenig is literally unable to watch Dr. Russell dance with a machine without going into a murderous fury. Well, it is better to feel than to think, as John Koenig always says. Maya has no luck. Disrupt the computer... 
and the whole planet explodes? Well, that's enough for Koenig. Time to punch that android in his smarmy little face for daring to touch his woman. And the androids are so happy that one of them got punched in the face. But Zarl felt something for Dr. Russell, and that, just like Christmas lights, causes all the vagans to break down and stop functioning. And then he has his one moment of humanity before he, too, dies. The end. Okay. Uh, one moment of humanity. Um, one of the few episodes I remember watching as a kid and thinking, wow, this is bad. Uh, <laughs> so what do you think? I can't believe you're actually asking me that question. <laughs> but I will answer it. The title is all wrong. It should be called Many Moments of Stupidity. Uh, this is this is this episode. this is a really st- this is as this mo- this episode is filled with stupid from top to bottom. It is really awful. I I it's worse than I remember it being because I because you do. Yes. I, I remember seeing this when I was a kid and uh, as I'm watching, I'm thinking, wow, this I, I, I'm I'm just really gobsmacked at at how unashamedly bad it is and all i remember is the final scenes where they're doing the vegan tango ditto that's it everything else this episode is like gone i know it it all boils down to that it does boil down to the dance yeah the the jazz dance um but even if you analyze the insipid scenes (laughs) they're just filled with stupid i mean this this thing really is just all stupid I, it, it, yes, <clears throat> yes, um, and offensively stupid tale in many yes. ways. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, it's it's um, it's not quite naked Montague stupid for me yet, but boy, was it pushing buttons. I yeah, I you know, there is the, I guess there is the, what we're supposed to take out of this is that Koenig has very deep feelings for Dr. Russell. But what I get out of it is that Koenig is incredibly jealous of his possession. And that Dr. It would have Russell to be is that. nothing more than a thing that's his, yeah. and she has no brain of her own, so, you know, hey, that android is no doubt going to take her away from me, because obviously she's she can't be trusted. Yeah. I mean, it, it, wow. Just mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. <clears throat> when it's plainly obvious that you, she she has no feelings for Zarl whatsoever. Uh, I mean, every time he tried to make a move, she would do this. She would do a, a, a remarkable dancing pirouette and get away from him, which I thought, okay, that's clever. And why am I seeing Koenig clench his fist? You know, Really? Are are you just that unbelievably I don't know how much shallow. more of this I can take, Tony. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that was my question. I don't know how much more I can take of this bad episode. And I, I will ask this question. The dancing. Ugh. The, the, That's Dr. supposed to be making Russell love. was like... She seemed to be into it. Yes! 
Yes, that is, I mean, yes, she would occasionally take his hand and, you know, like, push the hand away and do the whole thing, but but at the same time, she didn't have to dance at all. No. Did she? And when finally there at the end, uh, Zamara says, now make love to her, and, and he puts her down on the table, she didn't really seem to be doing anything other than kind of closing her eyes and kind of, I don't know, thinking about John. I, I'm not sure what was going on there. There was almost a hint in my mind that there was some sort of mind control going there on there. That's what that was my thought too. But if they could do mind control then and, then, it, then it means nothing. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. If they, and if you can do mind control, then why not just control the alphans to react violently and get your wish to begin with? Well, my guess is, is that they don't know what a violent reaction looks like and so therefore they can't Make them do it, but then at the same oh, time they, they didn't have, understand they love it. either. Right? They they could they could have easily triggered it. They understand enough about. Uh, they may not have seen the actual act of violence. And okay, so all right, let's 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 yeah, really that back this stupid, up from yeah. the beginning. <laughs> let's back this up from the beginning because the entire premise is completely, utterly absurd. Uh huh. Right from the very beginning. Uh, I mean, this episode is a total waste of time to start with. Uh, they have enough of a enough of an understanding of human behavior, just enough, you know, especially Zamara. I mean, she could have done anything. They they understand that there is such a thing as a violent act, and they have some kind of understanding as to what could trigger a violent act. And yet, whenever an opportunity is presented to where a violent act could be committed while on alpha in the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. it stopped. I mean, all she had to do was just appear and start shutting systems down one at a time. And Cunning and have gone into a furious rage right there. Right. He would have done something right there. And said, Oh, there's my answer. Oh, oh, excuse me. Would that be the same as when they're in the rec hall listening to Shakespeare and Alan pulls a laser and shoots her? Isn't that what they wanted? That's what they want in the first place. Yeah. Didn't they get it? Right yeah, there. they got it right there. Except she wasn't looking. No, she, so she, she shot didn't her in the back, see it. So she didn't see it. Is that the reason that didn't no, work? No, she saw. No, she saw an act of cowardice. I'm guessing. So, Who knows? And, and do we really think that in the whatever period of time it took for the androids to take over from the humans, that they never, before the humans figured out we need to put on masks, that they never, ever got angry, ever? Apparently not. So During that entire time? Uh, how about this one? If all it takes is to watch one of the humans get angry and attack, would a movie work? If they watched a movie, if they saw a That'd movie be, version of Othello, would that work? Yeah, that or just it. reading it? I would have thought yes. just, you know, I would have thought Zamara even just reading Shakespeare would, would have, have would have done it. But apparently they have no imagination, or so they the can't visualize at the very least, if Zamara managed to watch Man from Atlantis, The Naked Montague, oh, then, that yeah, would well, have taught her rage. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, no, no. She would have to watch me. Ah, okay. <laughs> that would have taught her rage and killing from that point on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this is just... I, I, the premise is totally ludicrous. It's totally ludicrous. And, and it... Yeah, all right. I'm going to skip to the end. For for a second here, not not the end where we defeat the aliens, but I'm just I'm gonna. <sighs> this is a fundamental flaw with New Space 1999. We brought it up the other day. 
mm-hmm. and um, with the end of the exiles. So literally the last episode. Um, and here we have it again. They've destroyed the computer by turning out all the Christmas light androids. I think they destroyed the computer, but didn't destroying the computer cause the planet to blow up according to Maya? But apparently maybe this is different. But okay, so I'll accept that. Well, they shut the computer down. They didn't sabotage it. They shut the computer down on the planet with thin atmosphere and super sub-zero temperatures. They shut down what was keeping everything going. They also shut down what apparently was operating the teleport device that managed to get them to and from Alpha. Oh, dear. How are you going to get back? They didn't even end the episode with them getting back to Alpha. They just ended it with a scene of them over the dead android's body and then cut to the – so – Listen, audience, ignore what's going on here behind your hands. We couldn't think of a way to get them back to Alpha, so we're just going to pretend like it didn't happen. But my question is this. If the teleport's still working, why wouldn't the Alphans come to this planet, assuming that they can survive on it? And if they can't survive on it, then we know that all the people living on the planet are going to die, too. So they just wiped Mm. out all the humans. It doesn't... the resolution of this stopping at the point where they stopped it completely leaves the whole premise wide open. Somebody's going to die. Somebody has to die or something, but it doesn't make sense again. And it's as if they have completely and utterly abandoned the notion that we're ever going to leave Alpha or that that's what we want to do is to leave Alpha. You know, Alpha's I think – I, I really think that by the time we started to get to the end of season one, we were getting to that point where, yes, we don't want to kind of leave Alpha. But in, and then, then again, in the last episode, there was the big spiel about how the life support systems are very precariously balanced and, and obviously are, are two little invaders from last, last episode, you know, they they didn't boost up life support or or reclamation systems the way they claimed they were going to do. They, that was all just one enormous lie, so that they could teleport down to you know their home world. So yeah, we got the whole bit again about there is you know there there is this very delicate balance with the life support system, and yet there is complacency. Mm-hmm. Because we saw, again, in the last episode, there was the feeling of goodwill. Everybody seemed to be happy. Everybody, you know, you saw sunbathers. Everybody was enjoying in their individual right. pursuits. And now in this one, what do we get? Tomorrow night's a party. Uh-huh. So really, this is, this really has become home. And, and unless they're looking for like a new earth or total Eden, a total paradise planet, I don't see them wanting to get off the moon for anything. I know. It's like the moon is a sure thing. We know we can survive here. We might not be able to survive on a planet with life and vegetation and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It just, yeah, it, it's, I think part of that is, hey, this is Star Trek. We're on a spaceship. We're out in space on purpose. Your goal is to go find new things, not end your journey. Mm. And so yeah. they've kind of <clears throat> tossed that notion out. Um a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. We're only in three episodes now, so it may um, it may change. But so far, beginning of the season's not looking particularly good for that way. Not really. No. All right. Well, let's start at the beginning then. 
there's okay, a start at the very beginning. I'll get wait. Look, oh, wait actually, start the very, you want, I want to start. I, I, okay, I was, I was going to say you want to start at the very very beginning. Um, can we please get rid of these damn credits? I hate them. I hate this music. Oh my god, I cannot stand this opening music. It's driving me nuts. I like the opening credit montage, but I you know I really don't like the music, and I do miss the this episode clips. Hmm. Okay, there, I've gotten that off my chest. I do have something about the credits as well. So, recalling the old credits, um, or the old intro, we would have a 90-second piece, approximately. We'd start with a slow open on Moonbase Alpha, uh, day-to-day life as things are going on, and then yeah, something would teaser. happen, and you'd come up to a little teaser cliffhanger, and then bum, 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 and the music would kick in. And then when they would come back, after the music, we would establish the opening title cards and we would, you know, start kind of ramping down from that first surprise, mm-hmm. whatever it was. If you look at the structure of these new episodes, they open with the opening credits. They then crash, you get your teaser. They crash. Then you get the teaser, which is ex- also 90 seconds long. Exactly. And then you have, and then, then and you actually get your open. first. And yeah, that's your cold opening. Then you have your 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 actual first real segment with, with title uh, your title cards, card. Exactly. Which tells me that these were designed to be done the yeah. same way as uh-huh. the old ones. And they chose to push the credits forward for, I don't know, for whatever I reason. I can't even imagine why. I, I, I can't of, imagine why. Well, I wouldn't – I don't mind a show that opens with the credits. That doesn't – that doesn't bother me too terribly much. But what does bother me is that 90-second cliffhanger that we get. It's too early in the episode now that the episode's going for it to happen. And it just doesn't – it just doesn't, doesn't flow, flow right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. So, of course, the cold open on this is uh, is Helena and Maya um, – trying on their party dresses for... you think they brought those with them? I don't think Maya brought hers with her from Saigon. Pro- no, she probably didn't. Um, although maybe she can make the dress from herself. It's a possibility she was able to make f- nice little hair decorations. So maybe she can make the dress. Um, we've seen her... Uh, well, I don't know. Of course, on the other hand, does that mean she can only hold the dress for one hour before it disappears? That's a really good question. Most likely. Most likely, because we know that when she, uh, decided to, when she and Dr. Russell decided to play that trick on, uh, on John last week, when she shapeshifted into Helena, she had the same, exactly the same uniform on and out. And that's not exactly the same as what she normally wears. Different color. So she was able to do something, and she's able to do her clothes, yeah. And and we know it'll become uh, more extreme later on. Okay, so they rush into the. Now here's another thing that that kind of I remember vaguely about this episode, and subsequently it makes no sense whatsoever. (laughs) Big shot. Helena swoons. Tony catches her. Everybody freezes. Zamara comes around and she's looking at the crew and she picks those two 
it looks like she picks those two because they're arm in arm. Right. You know, face to face in adversity. As if she recognizes love between the two of them. And yet, nothing they do on the planet tries to bring up jealousy as a motive. Well, they don't know about it until she gets right. on until she gets on some moon base and uh starts so reading the works of Shakespeare. Why did they choose a couple that appeared to be a couple? That's a good question. You know, I my recollection was that they were trying to get those two jealous and you kind of get that feeling when they when they first beam down to the the swingers pad um on the the planet because Immediately, Zarl comes over and kind of starts holding hands and stuff, and and so does Zamara to Tony, and they're like, "We hope you wish you nothing but pleasure here." And the first thing that comes to mind is, ah, they're trying to uh, seduce them and get them jealous, but nothing comes of that. The next right. thing they do is take them off for a meal of tasty food because. People have been known to kill when the food doesn't taste good. Um, so it's as if, well, it's as if the writer had an idea about the jealousy angle. Because you have that bit at the end where Koenig is like, no, no, you see, you're not going to do that because those two aren't in love with each other. And <laughs> you made a big you made a big mistake there. But there's no evidence that they actually did make a mistake. They just picked those two because I don't know. So again, it, I know it didn't. Yeah, another another moment of pure stupidity for this episode. A moment, one moment of stupidity. I think that's the new name. Well, for this I, except I, it's not one I, moment; it's one that's hour. That's the problem. It's, it's it, one yeah, hour. It's of one hour of stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I you know I like the fact that um, we're going to take two volunteers. We're going to take two Alphans, and it's Koenig and Allen. Who that one a volunteer? That volunteered. I, I thought that was, you know, Koenig, of course. Koenig is, it's in his contract. Oh, hell yeah. Right? But Alan, it could have been, it could have been Tony, right? I mean, it could have been Helena, for that could matter. Could have been. But it's, I just think it's nice that they're giving Alan this better part that he's had in the past, where he's one of the team, really. Not just the guy that is a hot-headed jerk and Alan Fly the Eagle. I mean, he's he's in there. He's part of the he's part of the the big five. Uh-huh. Yeah, big five, I'd guess. Um, of course, all comes to naught. Of course, um, and it would have been funny if they had tried to get those two jealous. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, why the heck not? I'm, I mean, okay, granted, they probably didn't do that because of when this episode was aired. Mm-hmm. But it would have been kind of interesting to see them do that because, you know, the, They're androids the Vegans, and they don't know. They have absolutely no clue. So they, t- <laughs> they take them down and then they have each one of them given a beautiful woman or more specifically a beautiful mechanical sex toy. Because that's the other part about this that keeps coming back onto my mind. Right? If, if you can get the right frame of mind, these are not people. Right. They're, they're big vibrators or whatever you want to make of them. They are 
mechanical things. They're 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 toys. (laughs) They're mechanical sex dolls. Should you be jealous of that? Should Cody be jealous of that? No. Would a real person be? That's even one of the things that I wrote in my notes. There's absolutely zero reason for Koenig to be jealous um, uh, under under any circumstances regarding this. I mean, has he had uh, a good maintenance cycle? Is he is he free of uh, you know filth? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, well, then fine. You, you know, know, I'm sure what she does in her own cabin is up to her. I don't care. I mean, one of the, to be honest. Okay, right from the very beginning when Zarl reaches for Helena. What are the words that comes out of his mouth? The play begins. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, this isn't a clue. I shall melt thee. <laughs> oh, yeah. Chased as an icicle. Oh, you mean her face? I'm sorry. I, I knew I'm, you were thinking that. Sorry. I knew you were thinking that. Sorry, 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 sorry. Fashioned by the purest, fashioned by the purest frost. Yes, her face. You know, but What? Uh, I shall melt thee. What? Don't do that. She's going to look like Dorian Gray. Okay, I'm done. I'm moving on. Well, you didn't get Botox in there. Uh, no, just wait. Okay. Um, but the thing that, uh, with all of that, you would have to think, Koenig, get a clue. You know, this this is all a fake. I mean, and a bad one at that, as we've all said. I mean, this is just they're not, they're not even really, really hiding awful. it. They're not even hiding the fact that this is a mechanical uh, action that's designed to provoke this exact reaction in you, and still he can't overcome it. No, which just goes to prove what kind of an idiot Koenig is, or at least how how, how idiotic uh, Koenig was written for this particular episode. You know, and and to be honest, I think what would have been more interesting is if. And we kind of got a slight hint of that, uh, albeit badly, when Helena and Tony realized that they were not on Alpha and they kind of, you know, put on the big charade about how they were playing the Vegans, oh. yeah, which they weren't. I mean, that was so badly done. Oh, that was, that was, that was Dr. Russell drunk, uh, with Victor Bergman. Oh, we're abandoning it to Piri. Yay, we. John will mm-hmm. be okay. He'll be fine. Yeah. Like, it was it was dreadful. But what would have been interesting is if Koenig had all of a sudden decided that he was going to seduce one of the Vegans. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that just to see what kind of drama would have played out. Uh, Dr. Russell would have scratched her eyes out. No, there you go. Then they would have had their wish. But it <sighs> it would have it would have made for an interesting uh, little play at that point. But other than that, all we see is just Koenig completely flipping out it's like okay well you know if if you if you're really bothered by this close your freaking eyes don't I watch i know don't be don't be an idiot and and play into this I, oh so badly written it, it yeah <laughs> i mean okay. it's and i even wrote this down there is and then i put in, in uh caps nothing going on why would koenig be jealous of this i know I know. And, you know, let's, let's take this beyond 1970s TV sensibilities, uh, and carry this, you know, perhaps somewhere where you couldn't go to, you got to an R-rated film or something. Mm, I could see how he might be uncomfortable watching that. Uh, yeah, uncomfortable, but jealous? Here. No. You know, and besides, how can anybody feel the slightest bit aroused with that stupid jazz music playing in the background anyway? <laughs> uh, 
That was that was some sensuous vegan tango music. Um, That's how they make love. <laughs> well, wow. they've never seen it. So, and if there they have, we go I guess again. They've always had masks on. So they've um, never seen it, so they don't know how to do it. Therefore, you know. And there's the other thing. Um, although we don't, we we get a little bit of it. We we do hear it, uh, and that's when. Zarl and Zamara are talking. They're observing Koenig and Helena, and they're observing you know, the whole thing about you know jealousy. Um, is there something that we have missed? Yes. And Zamara has a line that I thought was oh, just use it, but fascinating. Yeah. Yes. Um, and oh, of course, I've written it I down. I wrote it and, down too. Actually, yeah. Now I can't find that blasted thing and it's driving me nuts emotion is a weakness we can use it but we must not become ensnared we must not become ensnared by it yes Yes. that i thought was a very peculiar line and yet the android male seems to long for it yeah he he clearly is looking at that going wow i wish i could have that which means they understand desire and we know that they well (laughs) well the the point is that you can't okay so but again the whole logic in this entire episode and the development, the, the the logical character development of the Vegans makes absolutely zero sense because you – if you're going to experience emotion, you have to feel. You can't use emotion if you don't feel. I mean unless they thought maybe they wanted to use other people's emotions, but then why do they want to see violence? Obviously, they want to feel something in order to be able to kill. Yeah, why so, can't they kill with a, with a gun – in a coldly and calculatingly without hatred. Right. I have a practical reason for not wanting the humans to be around on the planet. They they might destroy us. Therefore, why don't we I just must get end rid them. of them? Right. I mean, being that you have absolutely zero emotion, there is nothing to say that you just can't cold in, in a very cold and calculated manner eliminate them and not have to deal with any of the moral ambiguity well, or, 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 the, exactly. or the sense of moral remorse, any of that. You don't have any of those emotions now. Sociopaths, psychopaths, right. they don't have emotional attachment. Therefore, they have the ability to commit heinous crimes that a person who has emotions cannot. Would never dare to do. Exactly. You know, I mean, there, there are different spectrums. There are obviously crimes of passion, and that's where the emotion takes over the brain, but then the people who have that detachment are m- capable of doing far worse. Serial killers. They don't have that. And, and so the, the, this, this, this thing that the androids are trying to do, you would think they would have started in a place where they would have no problem killing the people. Right. I mean, no Asimov's rules of robotics. Mm-hmm. If they don't have that, then that they, killing is not a problem. Killing should not it's, it's be a problem. It's no, it's no different than serving serving food or turning off a light switch or turning off a light switch exactly because a, it, it, there's no difference as far as their as, as far as their reasoning goes. So why can't they do it uh, unless right. they're angry? We have to see exactly. anger, otherwise we can't kill. Yeah, like, see that doesn't make any sense. And then so so let's talk about what this episode doesn't make sense. I know. Sorry. Well, so here's something else that didn't make any sense, and that is Zarl. Because we get this little bit about how they're all connected to the computer. Mm. The computer created them. They're all networked. Like Christmas lights. Like Christmas lights. (laughs) 
in series. So when when Zamara read uh, Otello, they all read Otello. Right. So my understanding is if Zamara, I mean, if Zarl can, they need they Zarl needs to experience anger so that he can kill. Once he does that, then it is through their own kind of Wi-Fi, <coughs> excuse me, transmitted, and they can all feel the ability to so, kill. So did Zarl experience anger, or did Zarl emulate anger? Because those mm. are two different things. They are. Did, did Koenig punching him make him mad, or did Koenig punching him give him the knowledge of how to punch somebody? I think he was emulating. I mean, what? I mean, I'm. I good question. Ah, and so he he's there, and they're shouting at him um, gleefully, don't no stay less. A machine become human. Yeah, and he's you know that shuts all the others off, but Zarl is still there, and he's like, that is making sense. I did feel, feel something. something. Is it? Was it real? No. Was no, it real? real? No. This is an interesting question. Does yeah. he mean? Did I really feel it, or was there really a thing or, between? Or was us? there something there? Because no, Doctor Russell's yeah. response is, "Sorry, no." And he goes, eh, "It's okay. I had my moment of humanity. Plunk, dead." Now, did he die because he was rejected, or did he die because he had overloaded on the emotions in the first place? Couldn't Ooh. figure that one out either. That's so requiem for Methuselah. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that really bothered me, though. (laughs) Yeah, done badly. (laughs) badly. I kind of said the same thing. In fact, I want to go watch Man from Earth. (laughs) I know. If they were trying to to go for a Trek theme, they they failed miserably. Absolutely. failed miserably. I know. Exactly. That's what they were trying to go. They're trying to do some sort of... You know, Star Trek uh, meanings, uh, you know, messages and morals. But boy, did it bomb badly on that. Uh, The thing that really also was a surprise to me is why do they all shut down? Because Christmas lights? What more explanation do you need? Christmas lights. Christmas lights. One goes out. They all go out, except that he didn't go out. He didn't go out. And they should have all felt the same thing. They should have all been transformed. Yes, but... But Christmas lights! But Christmas lights... And uh, getting back to Alpha, the, I, I would say that the conclusion of this episode was not meant to be thought deeply about. <laughs> uh, like everything else in this episode, maybe? Uh, I, I kind of feel like the ending is worse than the rest of the episode in a way. I really do. Uh, I know. I mean, the whole thing is its just abysmally bad. I, I just I, I I can't even begin to, to fathom it. And the fact that Zarl is he is that predicted or he is that weak link. He shouldn't be a weak link. He's not the weak link. He's the strong link. He saved them all. He well, knew he knew that with anger they would kill the humans and he loved Dr. Russell and so he had to turn the Christmas lights out. Uh-huh. I'm I'm trying. Yeah. I, I'm do I put more effort into it than uh than uh, Mr. Um, Barwick, Mr. the writer. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. Nah, it's it's not working. I'm sorry. 
Uh, he that, he that, that he should never have been the weak link to begin with. Not not in that particular method. Not not in that manner. No, that just did not make any sense whatsoever. And and at the same time, they should have all been transformed into something better. Instead of just shut off like Christmas lights. I mean, that was such a bad analogy. Yeah, but machines can't become better. Oh, that we can't be, have that. That would be too godlike in oh, the oh, we, hands we'll, of our we'll, elephants. Oh, and we can't have that. Oh, so you know, so here's something else that kind of just kind of bugged me a little bit. And it, at first I was really puzzled as to why it happened. Then I remember something that you told me uh, when we were uh, going over season one. And that is um, the use of Maya in this particular episode. Well, so they get... Maya and Tony to come down because mm-hmm. they say that Tony's in love with Maya and truth and be he is, is he is he is he is in love with her absolutely who wouldn't and be? and well she is pretty I'll give her that I mean, she, it's Catherine Shell let's be real she's a knockout but what happens she says she comes down you know she she's teleported down to the planet and promptly becomes a parrot. And uh-huh. then we nobody and notices. Nobody notices a thing. She goes flying off, and nobody cares. Meanwhile, now we have a threesome. Well, you know, we've got we, just he's wingman. He's playing wingman. <laughs> he's playing wingman. Yeah, no one's doing. And it's like they've completely forgotten about him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They've forgotten about Maya. So now it's all about Koenig and Doctor Russell. And 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 I was really puzzled as okay, you know, you you could have easily at the very beginning of the episode, you could have established the fact that the force field was one hundred percent impenetrable, and you needed to come up with another way. Then to get Maya to, to you know fly off, turn into a beetle, and then try to figure out you know that oh I can't turn the thing off anyway. What a waste of time for her, you know. And and then I real and then I realized it was probably in Martin Lando's contract that. He couldn't – that she couldn't save the day? Yeah. No. No, that the camera had to be on him all the time and that he had to save the day. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Oh, they, they de- there's, there's no doubt that Martin Landau and Barbara Bain were very insistent on their prominence in the series. That's That was just a thing. Um, and it, you know, caused some <sighs> – problems with the idea of coming up with subplots because they could not give terribly important subplots to subplot actors uh that 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 save the day too terribly much so Mm. yeah but it is it's complete waste i mean it's great she turns into a parrot she flies off she turns into a little bug she crawls under the incredibly stupid force field that has a bug-sized gap at the bottom you know, the least they could have done is made the force field into like bars, so she could just make something and go between them. Sure. Yeah. Then that would have that would have made more sense to me. I mean, if you put a force field down and it's like a series of beams, you go, okay, well, I can see how you would make the force field with a series of emitters and receivers, and okay, fine. But to have it to be a wall that comes a solid wall of energy that comes down. To Only one so far. inch of the floor, yeah. and then stops. It's like what stops it at one inch from the floor? Was it like a some sort of lowest bid contract? And the guy's like, eh, "Contract only actually called for seven foot," and it turns out the door opening is seven foot one. Mm. Not putting in that extra foot or that extra inch because that's not in my contract, and that would cost me extra money. So, nope, not happening. I, I, I don't know. Uh, so, we are told that, and I, I'm not sure they use the right word here, 
I'm not sure they used this word, but they basically used this word. The numbers told Tony and Maya that the androids desire to learn about hatred. Right? I mean, they want it. Want is desire, right? They wanted anger. Right. I don't know if they, I don't know if they wanted hatred, but they wanted to see anger. Okay. Anger, hate, however we want to call it. They, they wanted this thing. They wanted, they wanted Want an, they an want a reaction. Yeah, it is. So they have some emotions. They're just don't have them all. Do they have to want things to use the teleport? Cause apparently to Tony and Tony and, uh, uh, Helena, they have to, you have to wish it. You have, you have to, to want you know, it. You have to your, desire it. Yeah. Tap your tap heels three times and wish for together home. And wish for home. Yeah. And you can fly off to Vega. Um, and is that what the android was doing? Or was it a purely mechanical process? And that was, I don't know, nonsense? <laughs> so, I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, well, I get the feeling that they had but, some emotions, just not all of them. Which then real? again, but were they, you know, and then, it, and then I come back to that ridiculous line about using emotions but not being ensnared by them. I mean, again, we were seeing some kind of a contradiction here in terms of what the androids are really all about and how they function. To, yeah. I, you know, many years later this was addressed, or not addressed as the case may be on Next Generation with, with Data. Does he have emotions? Or does he, is he does emulating he emulate? emotions? Well, he emulates. I mean, they made that perfectly clear. They they answer that they you know he fakes it he fakes it but when they gave him the emotion chip later on are those fake because they're a program I don't know yeah you know that, now now is, get really philosophical yeah is I mean but then they are, could have gone there with this episode they could have but they didn't no or no they they they, they went in shy. such a facile way that that we're left with too many questions that. Like I said, what did Zarl hate enough to kill Koenig, or did Zarl see enough hate to know what it's like to kill? So he went after Koenig. Oh, I don't know. And I don't think the writer knew. And <clears throat> I, yeah, yeah. So <sighs> desire to transport yourself. Uh, they, they come down to the planet. They call him some really terrible names. You foul-mouthed yeah. lying cretin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you Botox-faced hag. Oh, wait, they didn't say that. There, hey, hey, let's be nice now. <laughs> um, I did notice that the outside of that place was a freezing, frozen wasteland, like Dr. Russell's face. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I just go there, Barbara? I really do love you. <laughs> Even though your face doesn't move. Well... And that if Zarl touched, and, and if Zarl was well, crushing see, it too hard, she doesn't have to wear a mask. Uh, there no. was that that no. that thing did cross my mind. It's like, wait a minute. So you you beam down one of the one person on Alpha who has a mask on all the time. Yeah, and you know, and Zarl, don't stroke don't don't stroke stroke that face way too much because if you do, it'll crack. I'm telling you. <laughs> so, so then then we have the scene where um, they. They insult him at dinner. Um, they they give him bad food, and Helena makes an excuse. So no, it's not that it's bad. It's just we don't we don't need we don't like eat it our hot. food hot. So go cool, go cool it. it down. So they stick him in a jail cell to contemplate their impoliteness. Yeah, <laughs> and leave him with their laser. It's like surely you 
So so and so and and again, this goes to show even more so the complete ludicrousness of how everything that the androids are all about makes absolutely no sense whatsoever because first they they tell Koenig that whoever the two are that that will go to Vega that they will be returned unharmed. Well, that's a lie. That's a lie. Big time. Because we know that at the very end they they're at they're, they're telling Zarl to kill Koenig. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the whole you know, imprisoning them, you know, to consider your your impoliteness. Um, again, the the motivation behind all of that, and and the nastiness behind that. Again, we we see that okay, there's something going on here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they don't understand. I mean, you could look at it one way, and you could say they don't even understand how to provoke someone to anger. Now, if only they had had Three Stooges films to watch. Ooh, that would have been easy. They could have, I, you know, Tony seems like Alan would have been the better choice. Yeah, given how hot-headed he is. Yeah, Alan probably would have been And yet he didn't qualify. No. You know, and the weird thing is, is that even if, you know, if they had taken Alan down uh, to, to the planet and, and then Helena, Alan would have responded. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. He, he would he have would, totally responded. He would have totally responded, especially when they called him up. Foul mouth Vegemite eating cretin. Yeah. He would have popped one, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> or, or even. Or, or he, better yet, he could have, you know, he could have, they could have just made a decision he didn't like. And uh, he would just go off on him like he used to on Koenig all the time. Yeah, but oh, he would have gone off just watching them make the move on Helena. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because he, because that's Protective. just the way Alan is. I, Tony would have too, I think. Uh, if Tony didn't know, no, uh, and uh, he it wouldn't have been born out of jealousy. Neither would Alan's, but Alan's would have been born out of protectiveness. Absolutely, but it still would have been an act of violence. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There would have been aggression. Absolutely. That's all they wanted. They didn't care that it was jealousy. Yeah. Uh, didn't have to. Uh, whatever they could get. Yeah. Exactly. So they go back up to the fake alpha. Let's talk about the fake alpha, the perfectly wow. That was a work of fake alpha. When and the heck do they have the time to do that? Well, they're androids. They don't have anything else to do. Oh, they had time on their hands. Um, first thing they discover is that if you look at the chart, we're like two light years from where we should have been. So they weren't shocked by that. There wasn't any. That's impossible. So two light years in ten hours. Seems like something, well, tough luck, but I guess that's what happened. We're never going to get back to them, so there you go. We're stuck on Alpha. Um, would, well, again, because the clueless androids don't know how to piss people off, um, you don't want to piss them off? Removed all the toilet paper from Alpha. Oh, that would have made them angry. See, that could have made them angry, but instead they fake sedatives. And I assume it's a fake sedative, because if Helena had drank it and been sedated... Then the whole point of them trying to become angry would have been meaningless. Because she'd wake up, and she'd not realize she'd been sedated, or maybe she would realize she'd been sedated, but Tony didn't do anything to her. So, what was that all about? Um, 
Well, it's, it's like they wanted her to see that rapper. She, yes, she. They wanted her to distrust Tony, and of course, then they pushed, which the, was quite I a gamble. I cannot believe they pushed the. I have a button on Alpha that lets the oxygen out, and it doesn't even have a cover over it. Well, it did. They opened it. Oh, did they? You're right. Yeah, they did. it did. It was. It was. It was a. La- it was a right. behind a little door in the wall. Because if I had a button to release all the uh, air from my entire moon base i would I'd keep it hidden yeah i would <sighs> here's another question they pop back up to alpha there's no one they search the entire base uh they go to their rooms uh maybe they take a nap for the night and what is it that helena does not do in this time she doesn't change clothes yes she doesn't change her clothes back into an alpha uniform she stays in her party dress that's got one hell of a slit up the side. Yeah. That would have been Oof. if she really thought she was back on Alpha, that basically would have been the first thing she'd have done. I, I have a feeling that this room. was this was in her contract. I want to show off my legs. But only with a soft filter, please. <laughs> yes, the same filter that you put on my face. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Um Yeah, that was not their best plan. So then they turn to Shakespeare, which, to be fair, I mean, go with the well, master. Hey, he the man, he wrote violent plays. So all we have to do is to get them to act. Uh, it hurts. It hurts. All right. Let's see. What else have we got? We have the Alan shooting her thing. We already talked about that. Oh, I, I, one thing that I liked is uh, when Tony does offer uh, Helena something, he says, come on. Have some coffee. It'll help you to relax. Oh, yeah. yes. Because caffeine is always the perfect thing to ingest to calm one's nerves. Well, with that detox in it, it certainly will. <laughs> wow. But that's beside the point. This will help you relax. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> Why did you yeah, I did, I did actually it? notice that when he, uh, when he said that. Have this coffee. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, in the 1970s, people thought co- coffee was uh, relaxing. Relaxant? Oh my God! How primitive were we back then, and not realize it was a stimulant? Huh. Well, okay. That's, well, just like, just like cigarettes. Like, yeah, you that's, know, cigarette, the, cigarettes does the calm you down. The stimulant is focusing you more so than say, I don't know. You know, why not just take your ADHD medicine instead? But um, yeah. Anyway. Um. Yes, weakness, male android. Oh, one fun, one beautiful moment. I got to talk about this one scene, and that is right when Zarl is now starting the whole. You know, the play has begun, or the mm-hmm. play begins, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What is Zamara doing? Do you see the way she just sprawls herself out on some kind of furry rug? Well, they're there in that. There, there's a reason that I called it the world's dullest orgy (laughs) um and and a and a space swingers pad because obviously that room has been laid out in a sort of 1970s british interpretation of a roman orgy room Mm. i mean there's the sofas and there's the you know bowls of fruit and the parrots (laughs) all the kind of decadent 
opulence of all the trappings all the trappings and they're all dressed up and they're all gorgeous people and the little skimpy stuff and and when they take people by the hand they kind of caress them and stuff it looks as if it's always about to kick off and it never ever never does does and so yeah no it i don't specifically recall that scene where she sprawls out but oh, you I gotta think, watch it it's I hilarious think everyone who is sitting in that room is at one time or another lounging back in a sprawl well like, they are but they're, I'm they're just already waiting for the next one they're already in that pose just observing you know like some sort of really warped greek chorus but it's her because she actually sits down you see her oh, she's in the, the foreground sprawl. As she sits down and then just sprawls herself out, um, uh, front down, it just and you know like, like she's crawling <laughs> on the rug, and she's looking at Conan the entire time. And the thought that runs through my head is, and what is that supposed to be doing for me? And yet she's looking. We know that she's looking at Conan just like all the others are all she staring is. at him because they want to see him. They want to see him react. But you know the weird yeah. thing is, is, it looks like she's then going to try to seduce Conan. At that all very them, beginning. Yes. But they all look like they're trying to seduce people from time to time in that in that episode. And it yeah, it's obviously the instructions that they've been given is adopt this sort of hmm, uh, yeah. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, here's something else that doesn't make a lot of sense. How is it that the Vegans had absolutely no idea that the automatons were actually people? Do you think How they do they not know? know? Well, they I think they to, do know. Well, they well, they I don't think they did. Based on Helena's she says to the one that talked to her, don't show them any anger. They'll kill you. She she says thank you and and Zarl says, "Why why are you thanking? There's no need. Well, there's no need to thank it." And she said and then they ask, "Are are they robots?" Says, They're automatons. But we know they can lie. And yeah, they but might that's, not want that's them to really, know they're humans. But that is the weirdest of lies. Really, you think that's the piece that does, makes no sense in this episode? <laughs> well, that's one of many. That's I, I, one of yeah. the weirdest of lies, though, because at the very least, they could have imprisoned them. Well, clearly, the androids do know that they're human beings because they want to kill them. That's the whole point. We want to find a way to kill them, but we can't. So yeah. we make them serve us. But how do they make them serve us if they don't have a credible threat of violence? Exactly. What exactly are you going to do to me if I don't serve you this food? Oh, wait, you don't need food. You're a You're android. an android. So what do the automatons and or numbers do? I, I, I don't know. That's another plot twist that wasn't well thought out. It's like, oh, they're not automatons. They're the people. But... The description that the person gives to Helena, the human, clearly makes it sound like the androids know that they exist. And that as long as we're alive, they're going to keep trying to figure out how to see us get angry. Therefore, we wear these masks. I mean, it's... He didn't say, we wear the masks and pretend like we're robots, which would be (laughs) equally as... Stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come to think of it, but uh, yeah, um, I think it was meant to be uh, more of a shocking reveal. I, <laughs> I don't know. Mm, not really. No. No. 
All right. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's kind of funny. I was um, earlier today. <clears throat> I watched this earlier today. I did too. I, I also watched uh, an episode of Get Smart, um, and it was an episode with Jaime. Uh, Jaime was not in it. He'd been sent overseas on a on a case. It had Admiral Hargraves in it. It was the episode where Max in '99 got married. And, oh, that one. And it, Max, for 48 hours, he's he's drank a potion that he didn't know that had a map in it, and so for 48 hours, ex- spanning the period of time when he's supposed to get married and go on his honeymoon, he has to stand up the whole time so that a map will form in the in the in a rash on his chest that shows the location of a hidden uranium mine and the hilarity ensues as the chaos agents try to get him you know capture him and keep him upright and him trying to get to the uh wedding while keeping upright and of course 99 not knowing or believing this cockamamie story so she thinks he's trying to dump her and and honestly that episode, as I've just described it, has a more logical and coherent plot than one moment of humanity, and and it has more authentic human emotions portrayed in a kind of breaking down couple kind of scenario. And having watched the two back to back, I I was shocked, frankly. And I'm looking at that going, 1960s parody comedy, more authentic at every level. Than this episode of Space 1999. So, Why am I not surprised? So I'm rec- uh, recommending people go out and watch Get Smart. <laughs> it's a good palate cleanser. <laughs> You'll need it. You'll need it if you've just watched One Moment of Humanity. Oh, this really is one of the god-awful worst episodes I've ever watched. I mean, I as I... This episode, the stupidity of it defies description it's it's as simple as that it is it is genuinely bad um two last things one tony um barwick tony barwick interesting history um he was a story editor on the protectors tv series which also had tony anholt in it as i recall and uh, on ufo it's a name we've seen before. Joe 90, Captain Scarlet and the Mysterians. So he's a... Okay, Jerry so he's worked Anderson. with Jerry Anderson a lot. Yeah. And he apparently wrote... Hmm. Hmm. Well, we can't count that. Let's see what else we've got here. As a writer, he wrote for uh, Terra Hawks, The Professionals, The Revenge of the Mysterians. Um, Some of that I'm familiar with. Captain Scarlet versus the Mysterians. He was a character creator on Moonraker, uncredited. Hmm. He also wrote the A.B. Chrysalis on Space 1999. He wrote several episodes of The Protectors. Um, he wrote, amongst other things, Confetti Check AOK on UFO. Uh, oh, you know, that was not a bad episode, if I remember yeah. right. He wrote... He he did the teleplay on a lot of episodes of UFO. Well, but um, he's doing the teleplay. The original story idea is not necessarily yeah. his. Yeah. He's marked as teleplay on these, so, yeah. But um, did you say he actually wrote uh, Confetti it's Check? Mo- it's as writer as the listing, but it also says teleplay, so... Mm. 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 Yeah, yeah hard, I, to I, I, hard to say, because that was a good is story. Is that a polish, I- or... Maybe, yeah, maybe just a polish, because I liked that one. 
Well, he's, yeah, if, if we list, I mean, how many episodes of UFO were there? I don't remember, but he's on 12 of them. The Responsibility Seat, Computer Affair, Court Martial, Ordeal, Mindbender, everyone's favorite. Wow, so he's done some good bomb, ones. Close Up, A Question of Priorities, Exposed, Identified. So, uh, you know, he, he's, he's clearly a big part of the team. Yeah, uh, but again, but these not are, so these much are, on Space 1999. But these are teleplays, not original stories. Yeah. So maybe this was his first shot. Yeah, he's listed as writer on One Moment of Humanity and writer on the AB Chrysalis, the only other Space 1999 episode. So, uh, that's is that this season? Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yet. I didn't recognize that title. We have not seen it yet. It's um, episode twelve. Oh, great! Something for me to dread. But speaking of things to dread. We'll be coming up on episode four next time, which will be all that glisters. Glisters? Glisters? G-L-I-S-T-E-R-S. I wonder if that's... I always said it was glistens. It should be glistens. I wonder. I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to check up on that one, but that is... Oh, see, episode. now you got me wanting to look that up right now, dadgummit. Oh, I have... I'm looking at the IMDb photo... And oh, I've got vague, no, no, I've got vague memories of this one. Vague S- memories of that guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Oi. Okay. Yeah, I'm beginning to remember now. Oh yeah, the guy in the hat. Yeah. Yeah. With the Irish accent. Well, but we'll find out about that next time. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, Ben, thank you for joining me for this, well, one moment of humanity. <laughs> oh, it was stupid. <laughs> and listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Cal! <laughs> Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. <laughs>